Welcome to She Decided to Run Her Way, a podcast created for female runners wanting to resolve their chronic fatigue and return to their running with more energy. I'm your host, Pamela Otero, a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified running coach, and someone who's personally traveled this path. If you're a woman who's frustrated with not being able to run the way you used to, and you're ready to ditch that energy-depleting fatigue, then sit back, grab your favorite glass of kombucha, and learn how it's totally possible for you. Hey there, thanks for meeting me here again on the podcast this week. I hope up until today, your week has been going well, and if it hasn't, well, you know what? I'm going to put some good, positive energy vibes out into the world for you that will turn things around and bring you some peace and joy for the remainder of the week because you totally deserve it. So today I'm diving into part two of my three-part episode training series all about the three methods I use to manage my energy and fatigue while still being able to run. And if you joined me last week, then you already know what the first method is that I use. And if you haven't yet, no worries. You can check it out after hanging out with me today. I do want to let you know that you don't necessarily need to listen to this three-part series in order, but I do strongly feel that listening to all three of the episodes will seriously help you manage your energy and your fatigue because they're exactly what I use And I often use a couple of them at one time during any given run or workout. Okay, now, if you fast forwarded through the intro of today's podcast episode, no worries. I'm guilty of doing that too, with podcasts that I consistently listen to. But you might have missed my explanation of the workbook I created for this series. And if you are serious about implementing any or all of these methods with your running, then I'd highly encourage you to download it because I give you step-by-step instructions on what you need to do to gather the information that's going to help you to actually do that. You see, none of these methods are going to matter if you don't take action by experimenting with them. And you're going to need to know what your numbers are in order to do that. So as a reminder, you can grab the workbook at PamelaOtero.com forward slash workbook. And also know that the workbook, it's not an outline or a fill in the blank of what I cover in this series. I know I have downloaded many workbooks and it's just kind of um, re-emphasizing everything that was talked about. That is not the workbook that I have put together for you. Um, I put one together that's actionable steps that you'll need to take and also calculations that you'll need to make. Okay, don't go over everything that I cover in each of these um, episodes in this series. In the workbook, it's the work that you're going to need to do so that you can actually go take action and implement these methods. So go grab it at PamelaOtero.com forward slash workbook. Now, another thing I want to mention is that you might be listening to this episode or you listen to last week's episode and you're thinking, Pamela, there's absolutely no way right now with my level of fatigue or my low energy or my current depleted state 
that I could even consider trying to use these methods and trying to run. And if that's how you're feeling right now, I want you to know that I totally understand where you're coming from. Reducing my chronic fatigue has taken me years. It took me years to get diagnosed and it's taking me years to reduce it. And I'm still nowhere near where I used to be with my running and fitness. I'm still managing it. I'm working to resolve it. And I know it's possibly going to take a few more years to do that, maybe even longer. But what I do know is that over the years, I've really been able to dial in knowing what I can do, what I can't do, and when I'm crossing the line of overdoing it. And although my brain, most of the time, is totally on board, ready and willing and excited about running more or hitting certain trails that I used to run that are a lot harder, I've also learned that I can't go and do all of that quite yet, at least not at the level or that intensity. And using these methods that I'm sharing with you in this series has really helped me to keep myself in check and keep me managing that energy and not kind of reverting or having a flare up. So just know that if you're someone who wants to return to your running, but right now you're in a place of true depletion and running is really off the table right now, I'd like you to approach using these methods to help you manage all of the other activities, the other things that you do, even if you're not quite able right now to use them with your running. Because I will tell you this, there were plenty of times where I wasn't able to run at all because of my, my fatigue. It still happens here and there if I don't do the best job at managing it. And my focus you know, was managing my energy so I could get through the day. And what I did was use these methods when I did other things other than running, like a weight training workout or when I went for a walk or when I hopped on a spin bike or I went for a hike and I was able to manage my energy and able to do that with these methods, even on days when I wasn't able to run. So I want to encourage you today to not just look at what I'm sharing with you as only methods to use specific to your running, but truly methods to use for any activity that you do so that you can manage that energy and fatigue and not be taken out. Okay, I hope that you'll create, you know, many ways to use these methods because the sole purpose in putting this training series together for you is to give you practical tools where you're in the driver's seat with managing your fatigue and your energy and your fatigue isn't managing you. All right. Okay. Let's jump into the second method in this three-part training series. And this method is effort-based training. Now, if you've been a runner for some time or you've been someone who's exercised for some time, effort-based training is just a newish term that people are using that I actually like to use um, as a method that means identifying a feeling of effort, usually by following a specific intensity scale 
and then adjusting your running or training based on that feeling of effort. Now, have you ever heard of the term, which I bet you have, perceived rate of exertion or the Borg rating of perceived exertion? Well, if you have, that is all effort-based training is. It's a subjective measure of your running intensity and your perception of exertion or how hard you feel your body is working. And it's really based on physical sensations that you experience during a run or a workout, which can can, um, include things like the physical sensation of your heart rate, kind of feeling like your heart jumping out of your chest, or you can feel that your heart rate is is pitter-pattering really fast. Um, Some physical sensations like your respiration or your breathing rate, you know, listening and hearing yourself breathing really heavy when you're running. And even things like how much you're sweating and how tired or fatigued you might be feeling. And three of the biggest benefits or reasons I like using effort-based training as a method is that one, you don't need any equipment like a watch or a heart rate monitor to use it. Two, it's a great way to tap into how you physically feel really reconnecting to your body without focusing so much on metrics or numbers. And then three, it allows for daily changes with your running based on your energy state that specific day. So let's say you're out on a run and your breathing is pretty labored. You can hear yourself breathing pretty hard and pretty fast. And you're feeling that the pace you're running feels hard and is getting pretty challenging to sustain. All of those, all of which are physical sensations in your body, right? Well, in that moment, if you're wanting to manage your energy and still be able to run and not make your fatigue even worse, then you can decide, based off of those physical sensations, to slow down, back off, and possibly walk until your rate of perceived exertion drops. Your body is giving you this instant feedback, just like heart rate training does, to help you modify what you're doing. And if you tend to be someone who pushes too hard, that would be me, when you already felt that your energy was low before you even started running, using these physical sensations and this rating scale can help you self-monitor how hard you feel your body is working. So you can adjust the intensity of your run to a pace or an intensity that feels so much easier. And then through this experience of monitoring yourself, monitoring how your body is feeling over time, you know, it becomes easier to know when and how to make those adjustments. So. How exactly do I use effort-based training with my running and how can you? Well, before I get into that, I want to first give you a little backstory on how this method came about and what the intensity scale is. And then I'm going to share with you a few things. I'm going to share how I use it alongside heart rate training, which was the method I explained last week. 
how I sometimes throw heart rate training out the window on a run and only use this specific method and why I do that. And then also why this method is the best method to use if you're on a beta blocker or if you're someone with a heart rate that is genetically super low or super high, which I talked about, um, which I also talked about in last week's episode. All right. So originally a Swedish psychologist and researcher by the name of Dr. Gunnar Borg, B-O-R-G, back in the early 1980s, created the Borg rating of perceived exertion, like I mentioned earlier. And originally, this scale was created specifically for exercise testing with patients to be able to document their exertion during the test. It was also created and used with, um, within the sports medicine field to help coaches assess intensity of training and competition with their athletes. And also it was used within the occupational health and safety industry to really help determine employees fatigue after so many hours on their feet or using their body to perform a specific task. And it helped these industries gather feedback on a person's rate of perceived exertion, them giving the feedback personally in how their body felt. And the Borg scale, which goes from six to 20, where six represents no exertion at all, and roughly in the middle, 12 to 14 represents a feeling of somewhat hard exertion, and 20 represents maximum exertion, was how they did that. They used that scale of six to 20. Now, Since his original scale was developed, others have modified, they've went in and modified it to have a smaller set um, or range of numbers on the scale. But the main reason I like using Borg's original rate of perceived exertion scale, the 6 to 20, is that it was also originally built around heart rate, which is, you know, one of the main reasons why I like the scale. But it was originally built around heart rate, heart rate, and this is exactly why it starts with six and not one. You might have thought when I mentioned the scale is six to 20, you're thinking, why didn't it start at one and go from one to 20? Well, the reason it starts with six and goes to 20 is because starting with the number six on the scale really gave a fairly good estimate of actual heart rate during activity and exertion. So, for example, you know, if you perceive your level of exertion on this scale to be at a level six, which represents no exertion at all, basically lying on the couch, maybe you're watching season five of Yellowstone. Now, again, if you are into Yellowstone, you may not be at a level six, If it's a scene between Beth and Jamie, and in that case, you're probably a little higher than six, but let's just say you're not watching Yellowstone and you're just chilling on the couch, just relaxing, and you are truly at a level six of no exertion whatsoever. If you were to add a zero to the six, that would give you the number 60 and 60 
more than likely would correlate with 60 beats per minute of your current working heart rate if you were someone that was tracking your heart rate. And from last week's episode, you know what I mean by that. So if you've downloaded the workbook that goes along with this three-part series in the section of the workbook for today's episode, you're going to see that I not only included the Borg's rate of perceived, perceived exertion table, but I also color-coded the scale as it correlates with the heart rate training zones that I mentioned last week. And then I also added on the scale how that aligns with that current working heart rate that I just mentioned. So, for example, a rating of 20, which represents a maximum exertion on the scale, it correlates with about 200 beats per minute, which for most women is the top of training zone five for the heart rate training zones. Um, If not, you know, it's 200 is probably off the charts of training zone five for most women. So overall, the scale of six to 20 which would be approximately 60 to 200 beats per minute, would also correlate with heart rate training zones one through five. That's why I really love it. And it does help to have a visual, so please feel free to go grab that workbook so you can take a look and see what I'm talking about. Now, I'm going to use myself as an example in kind of um, sharing how I use this um, scale um, with my running. So If I'm needing to keep my effort or my exertion light and easy because of my current state or my current energy and I want to manage my fatigue and I want to keep my effort or exertion light and easy, say around 10 to 12 on the Borg um, rate of perceived exertion scale, which I also know for me is heart rate training zone two. And I've already calculated my heart rate training zones with my maximum heart rate and training zone two for me, I've calculated is anywhere from 97 to 113 beats per minute. Then Borg's scale pretty closely matches both my training zone two and the 100 to 120 beats per minute on that 10 to 12 of the scale. It kind of all aligns. And this is, like I said, the exact reason why I like using Borg scale with effort-based training. And I use it with my running as a way to manage my energy, as well as how I use it alongside my heart rate training zones. If I'm also using my heart rate monitor, I can match up my heart rate training zone with my rate of perceived exertion. Does it feel light and easy? And also, does it correlate with Borg's um, current working heart rate of those beats per minute? And what's nice is that I have a few different ways that I'm able to self-monitor my energy, um, how hard I'm working while I'm running, and make adjustments in the moment. So does that make sense? I hope it does. Now, I do want to clarify something. Although I use effort-based training as the overarching concept or method that I've, you know, shared with you in this series, the Borg's rate of perceived exertion scale is the way I implement that method and how I'd really recommend you do as well. 
So that's how I use it in tandem with heart rate training, which is what I talked about last week. But sometimes on a run, I do throw heart rate training completely out the window because sometimes I just want to get out for a run or a hike or hop on my bike and I don't want to be attached to any metrics or equipment. And when that's the case, I use the scale, the Borg scale, and I check in with myself. And for me, my breathing is my best indicator of, of, of exertion. I usually know that if my breathing is labored and after a good 10 to 15 minutes of running or working out, if I haven't yet dialed in my breathing and my respiration rate, I know I'm working too hard and I need to slow down or walk for a bit because I know that I'm no longer working at that 10 to 12 on the scale and I'm probably somewhere around 13 to 15 instead which is also going to be a heart, higher heart rate training zone. Probably training zone three and training zone four. But as you practice using this method, even if you don't use heart rate training as a method that I mentioned last week and you use effort-based training as a method, you're, as you practice it, you'll be able to determine what physical sensations help you to best monitor your effort and your level of exertion, and you'll get a better idea on how to use that scale of six through 20 and what that looks like. And even if you don't have a watch or heart rate monitor, you can always stop and check your pulse, count the number of times um, you can fill either your radial pulse, you can fill that in a minute, how many beats you get per minute and give you an idea of where your heart rate is at. And see if it matches up with the scale that you're trying to run at. So if you're trying to stay between a 10 and 12, a very light to light activity when you're running, your heart rate's going to be around 100 to 120, give or take. You can always stop and just check yourself manually without your watch, without a heart rate monitor, anything like that. But again, it's just something you're going to need to practice. And you don't even need to track your heart rate um, if you don't want to, you can just tap into that physical sensation and that rate of perceived exertion. And if you know that your body feels like it's working really, really hard, then that's a sign that you need to back off and slow down. Now, the final thing I want to touch on as it relates to effort-based training, using the Borg rating of perceived exertion scale, has to do with beta blockers and unusually high or low heart rates. I mentioned this last week when I talked about some of the factors or variables that impact heart rate and who I wouldn't recommend using heart rate training. So if you're on a beta blocker, if you're here with me listening right now and you're on a beta blocker, which is a heart rate medication for, for you know, if you are not and you just want to know what the heck a beta blocker is, um, it is a heart medication that um, reduces your blood pressure and causes your heart to beat more slowly with less force. Okay, so if you are on a beta blocker or you know that you're someone who genetically, regardless of your fitness and conditioning, has either a super low heart rate or a super high heart rate, this method, effort-based training, is going to be the best, the best method for you to use to help you manage your energy and your fatigue and still be able to run. So if this is you, 
I'd suggest you throw heart rate training out the window. Method one that I shared, I'd suggest you use the Borg's scale that I talked to today and then practice this method so you can start identifying what physical sensations in your body help you better understand how hard you're working when you're running so that you can make some adjustments. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you're someone who has chronic fatigue, regardless of the health condition causing it, because there are various conditions that do cause chronic fatigue, it's not just one thing, or you're someone who is experiencing very low energy that's making your running more and more challenging, and you also feel that running is something that makes sense for you to continue doing, then consider using one or both of the methods I've explained so far in this series. And again, grab the workbook at pamelotero.com forward slash workbook so you can take a look at the Borg scale, see how it matches up with the heart rate training zone color coding that I added, as well as that current working heart rate correlation. Okay. And to wrap things up, I do want to ask, you know, if you feel that this episode or any of the previous podcast episodes that you've listened to have been helpful to your health and your running, if you found them to be valuable, please share the podcast with a friend. And it would also make me so dang happy if you'd give me a five star rating and review. I'd love to hear what you have to think. Okay, my friend. I look forward to hanging out with you next week when I go over the third and final method I use to help manage my energy and fatigue and still be able to run. But until then, go grab your running shoes, lace up, and go enjoy the beautiful outdoors.